0: Like, man, I would love to interview him if Marcus were a guest on tow. Maybe he would be a fan of the CTMU. Maybe he would be a cast sympathizer. I'll leave that up to you. Dive into the philosophies of Marcus Aurelius today with the book that Ryan Holiday said is the greatest book ever written. Meditations is available from Penguin Random House at prh.com slash meditations. This is an auxiliary episode where Artisan Tony interviewed me for his channel, which is linked in the description. We talk about theoretical physics, time travel, consciousness, free will, and God. Visit Artisan Tony's YouTube channel by clicking on the link in the description. A written review on whichever platform you're listening to this Theories of Everything episode from also helps significantly. Thank you and enjoy the supplementary episode where Artisan Tony interviews Kurt Jaimungal.
1: Hello, Kurt. How, how are you? I'm great, man. It's good to be here. Thank you, Tony. I, I'm really excited. I am. Uh, tell me why I'm more excited about this interview than any of my other 57. This is this is Pi-Fi number 57. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I get, 157
0: I, is one of, is my favorite number. So,
1: oh, wow. That's that's spooky. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been doing a series for quite a while, and I just keep kind of adding to it. And for some reason, I was nervous and excited. And I guess I'll kind of explain that a little bit along the way of, of, about why. But I thought sure. what I might do is let you just kind of talk about, uh, introduce yourself, because I'll probably just butcher it, uh, for what you want people to know about you. Know, you. I know you're a filmmaker, documentary maker, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not quite sure of your other credential, you know, your other, how you, you know, refer to yourself. So a YouTuber, we all know you're a YouTuber. So.
0: Sure. Firstly, I wanted to commend you as you're one of the most prepared people that I've been interviewed by. You have assiduously written notes. I've been interviewed by quite a few people. So hats off to you, man. You have oh, exemplary you. note-taking habits.
1: Uh, thank you, I appreciate it. It's something that's, that I think that's something well, that somebody like me has to do to be <laughs> to be prepared.
0: I aspire to emulate that quality, man. <laughs> now, as for who I am, Kurt J. Mungle, thats my name. I have a channel called Theories of Everything, which is about physics and consciousness. Theories of everything is a physics term, which comes well, which is about what are the ultimate laws of nature. Generally, it's how do you merge quantum mechanics or quantum field theory with general relativity? But then it's more broad and about metaphysics and philosophy, which is why the consciousness has come in. And then there seem to be, there's ostensibly, implications for UFOs. And that's one of the reasons why I started to tackle that subject and continue to do so. It's a motif rather than something that I that I look that, than a theme. It's a motif rather than a theme. Oh yes. And then my background is in mathematical physics if people are interested and filmmaking.
1: I think that's an awesome uh combination there. It makes a you've made a really great YouTube channel and I've enjoyed it over the years. Um, mm, thank I you. Guess how long how long have you been? I guess I've only been watching for maybe two years, I think maybe. When did mm. you start your channel?
0: About two years. So you're okay. one of the
1: Maybe you're maybe yeah, yeah, an maybe early adopter, there. man. <laughs> I, I, I usually, you know, my background, um, and this was kind of leading up to my first question, if you don't mind. Uh, my background, honestly, I'm a design-build contractor, but I've always been fascinated by, you know, physics and science. And when I was a kid, my mother had, had this, um, I don't know, She she almost, she had these, you know, this intuition, I guess I got it, but, uh, she knew, she knew I was wanting, you know, I wanted to be a builder, you know, so she bought me Legos and not Legos, Lincoln logs and Tonka trucks. And, and, but I always kept saying, mom, I want to be a scientist. (laughs) And and it's kind of funny. By the time, by the time high school rolled around, uh, you know, I entered into this, uh, trade school. I went to high school, half a day and this, building trade school another half of the day and and that's where I kind of I kind of came to a fork in the road at that point in my life and I, I realized that I was more you know meant to it felt like I was meant to do this instead of that in other words and I and I thought that that matched my intellectual abilities better you know and and the reason I bring this up is because I've always been interested in human intelligence and how they, how different humans compare to each other. And to me, it's almost like—and this is really—I'm sorry, taking so long getting around to the question.
0: It's a good time,
1: man. It's—I'm <laughs> a little nervous. I'm sorry. Oh, but, man, I'm more nervous than you. So it's like the bear. No, I'm scared of. I, I guess. I guess uh, what amazes me is that I can't. On one hand, I understand evolution, and I understand that some humans can, you know, obviously their brains don't get wired the same through DNA and you know that whole evolutionary process. But on the other hand, I was giving the example of my son before we came on the air of how he's gifted. He was, you know, in Mensa at four years old, and then you look at me. How did two different? How did how does a family produce two people like that with? such a vast intelligence levels, you know, in the same gen, you know, just one generation apart. What do you think about, I guess what I'm leading up to is the question is, do you think that I, I would like to think that certain people are given traits, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm kind of a spiritual guy. You know, I believe that I was given uh, certain talents and gifts and, Maybe there were for a, a, a reason, a purpose. And I practiced that purpose earlier in life. I don't want to tell you my whole life story. That would be boring for the audience. But I'm just trying to get to this point of what you think, what you think about that. Do you think a simple evolution is the answer? Or do you think that people have purpose, you know, that they were created for for certain purposes? Uh, I
0: see what you're saying. I don't see it as being either or. I don't see why it can't be
1: both. Yeah, and I, I was curious about what you, your early life, your, you know, as a child, did, were you influenced by religion in any way? Or did you develop any kind of source of spiritu- spirituality o- along the way? Or,
0: Yeah, my parents were and still are Christian. However, that made me a rebel. It made me rebel against Christianity. So I became an atheist when I was eight or, or nine or ten or so. So I would say it influenced my insubordination. And <laughs> I had these these fairly indirect attitudes of disliking the majority of what people are saying. I'd say that I'm a anti-conformist.
1: Yeah, I was uh my mother influenced me, um not not the opposite, but You know, we came out of East Tennessee, the woods of East Tennessee, right? So, but my mother was this jet-setting missionary. (laughs) She would Mm -hmm. go to, you know, Thailand, Korea, you know, uh, all. And she was exposed to, you know, all of the different religions. And she would bring back, you know, uh, stories and talk about philosophy with me. And that that created a a little bit of a, um, you know, it was almost like she was... uh, uh, she was trying to, to get me to think out of the box a little bit and not be so, cause you know, coming up in the Bible belt, you're taught one, mm. one way, one mm. way or the highway. And so that was a good experience. But what it did do was start making me think, uh, what is out there, you know? <laughs> and then I had this little experience when I was 12 that I thought was a, um, you know, thought was a UFO. Today, I don't really know. I'm I'm still very objective about it, but that experience brought me to this point where I really questioned everything. And ever since then, I've had this interest in this topic and people like you, you know, who, who, again, I don't mean people like you. I I mean, people, um, it's almost like it's almost like humans. And I'm sorry, I'm talking too much here. I get nervous and I start talking. Oh, a lot. please, please do. But, it
0: helps me with the
1: context of the questions. Okay, good. Because um, you know, when you're when you're involved with spirituality like that for so long, you you can't help but think certain ways. So I was taught to think, you know, to believe that um, the Earth was created by the Creator. And we were put here for a purpose. We have, you know, and and by extension, maybe this planet has a, a purpose, you know. And it's kind of funny to me that over the years, you know, when I was younger, I couldn't, you couldn't really talk about among amongst my peers. I, I actually knew a lot of people who were atheists when I was growing up, so I didn't talk about my spirituality that much, and so. Um, but it seems like lately there's a a return to it. Like it's almost like this new, and and I've been through these phases of where UAPs or UFOs as we used to call them were a thing and then they would subside and then, you know, I'll I'll be 60 in October. So I've been through several of these phases and people wonder why I'm not as excited about it. It's because, Hmm. you know, uh, and so where am i going with this question <laughs> i'm i'm trying to say that um i wonder what this this all kind of ties in because there seems to be a current push for spirituality you know the woo all of this and it seems like whenever this happens there's a step away from science maybe i'm finally getting to my question mm-hmm. it, it seems like a lot of people in the uap community are i think um their personal experience, uh, and they let that, they're not objective enough to, to not let that affect their thoughts on objectivity and, and science. Do you see mm-hmm. that?
0: Mm. No, but I haven't spoken to, no, I haven't, I don't see that. I understand what you're saying. Let me see if I understand what you're saying. So you're saying that there are some people who are in this UFO community, but that doesn't matter. There's some people who have some experience, and now they want to believe. Now, you had an experience, quote-unquote, an experience when you were younger. You can doubt that experience now because you have some distance and because you would like to see it objectively and you realize, well, that's just one data point, and I was biased, and I was a kid, and I don't want to fall prey to me imposing an apologue on something where it just may be some rational or scientific explanation like a cloud so there are other people who are quick to say what i saw was a ufo or quick to say that there exist aliens or other beings so is that what you're saying
1: yeah or if you ask questions about it you're a, instead of being an objective person you're a debunker. It seems like Mm -hmm. now objectivity has been pushed to the side and you're either, you're either a believer or a debunker. There's no middle ground. Mm -hmm. And I wish we could return to that middle ground where everyone just said, okay, I had an experience. It was my personal experience. It wasn't, it's not everyone's experience. Now let's see, what do we do to move forward? You know, it's, it, I guess it's the the past in me coming out wanting to be, you know, wanting to be a scientist <laughs> and you know, wanting to be smarter, you know, um, and that kind of goes back to the, it's frustrating for me because I always had a hard time with, you know, absorbing certain concepts. I, I absorb design build, you know, I've been doing that for 44 years now, you know, pretty good at it, but, still have a hard time absorbing some of the you know, quantum mechanics and and, and the math surrounding that.
0: Everyone, everyone does. But firstly, <laughs> don't beat yourself up because you're in the same shoes as everyone. Secondly, just because someone knows equations, I don't know how to build. I'm in awe of what you do. I'm great with video games. So I have hand-eye coordination there. But I have no hand-eye coordination when it comes to sports or building. I'm not handy. I remember... Just a couple days ago or a few days ago, I was at a family event and I had to throw some, I don't recall what it was. It was a peanut. It was a peanut. I had to throw a peanut to a squirrel this way, right in front of me. And it went that way. And it reminded me of when I was eight years old, there was some experience I had like that, where I was in gym class and I tried to kick the, someone was like, kick the ball to me, kick the ball straight to this person. It went to the left or to the right. Never played sports after that. I, I forgot, my, forgot my gym clothes, quote unquote, every single time I would come up with some excuse for why I couldn't go to gym. So I have no hand-eye coordination. I'm not skilled at all. And I I barely know some math. So anyway, you're in common company.
1: Well, I appreciate that. But I think, I think when it comes to, you know, saving the world, my money's on you, (laughs) you know, I mean, I mean, honestly, um, but I guess, I guess I'm trying to get to to the point to where uh, I was hoping that you know, we, you know, you could help me inspire people to return to a time when, you know, the, the scientific method was really appreciated and, and uh, it, you know, and was really desired and when people wanted to, con- you know, to convince you of something. You know, it seems like, and this leads me to one of my questions, it's a perfect segue into whether you think we have a, had disclosure or not. Because it seems like we're being told, it seems like ufology is the new religion. You know, we're told that we need to believe that, and you know, I've always tried to teach my kids to say, I think this, or, I think this, that, don't say I believe this, or I believe that, say you think it. And so we're at, but we're being asked to believe that we've had disclosure. Have you, what do you think about that? I mean do you think we've had disclosure
0: okay so there are a couple elements here so number one was about objectivity okay firstly actually it was about whether or not i see the same impetus to belief to believe from people who should have more quote-unquote objectivity okay the number two is whether or not disclosure has occurred and number three has to be has to do with the more scientific analysis on this topic so number one and three are tied so i'd say for For number three, I would say that I'm not exactly performing a scientific analysis. What I'm doing is that I'm extremely curious and I'm asking questions. So much so that I'm even questioning whether the scientific method is the only method to truth. And I'm saying truth with the capital T because the scientific method has changed across time and what we consider to be literal truth or facts has changed, which means it's approximating something. So perhaps, science isn't at its final form if there is a final form so i wouldn't say exactly that what i'm doing is trying to bring some dispassionate scientific analysis on the topic of uaps or ufos or philosophy or psychology or math or even physics or consciousness i'm just curious and i'm asking questions as best i can and i cite the errors that i see in real time to the people who are espousing something to me like a professor so that's number three and then for number one I'm lucky in that. Well, maybe not lucky. It doesn't matter. I don't see people who I don't see the same that you see where people are quick to believe, but I can imagine that that's there. I hear that that's there, but I don't have any firsthand experience with experiencers and and people who are readily believers. Okay, the number two with regard to disclosure. I don't know. I don't know, man. So Tony, like what the heck are they referring to when they say disclosure has occurred? That's if they question. mean the, yeah. yeah if they mean the initial steps of disclosure have occurred in the sense that the government is now admitting that UAPs aren't from any known worldly government then i agree if they mean that all the pieces are there and it's like a jigsaw and and they're announced and confessed it's just a matter of us consolidating and putting it together given enough effort and pattern recognition, then that may be the case. I don't see it as the case. I think that's a route for paranoia and spurious claims devoid of falsifiable substantiation. So I don't I don't know. I don't think that's occurred. I need to know who said disclosure has occurred and in what context did they say that?
1: Well, Lirio Elizondo is the main... I was going to say culprit, but I like him. I like Lil Elizondo. You know, I've interviewed him twice and I was kind of thinking the second time I might get more out of him. But, <laughs> and because I, I thought, okay, we're going to get, you know, maybe we'll get, and I know, I know he can't, you know, disclose classified information. Hmm. But see, that's my point. If there is classified information, if there still is re- classified information remaining, then we haven't had disclosure in my, you know, and I know we can't, unclassified i guess what i'm asking for is if there's some sort of phased you know plan to to you know give us breadcrumbs or or take baby steps let's just be honest about that
0: i have a feeling that whatever this phenomenon is it will disclose itself to us quicker than the government will
1: oh i totally agree whether
0: voluntarily or not
1: no i agree that's kind of my point in that it seems like the government wants us to think that we've had disclosure, but we haven't. And they're, they're just putting us off till the next phase or till the next happening or, What I mean, like when I was a kid, there was a big, um, did you ever watch the show UFO? It was a UK TV series, a show. And it, and it, and it was pretty old. I think it was in the sixties and it came to the United States in reruns. (laughs) so when no, i was growing up no. yeah you look it up sometimes really it was a really cool show it was a again it's uk it's a british show
0: it was like a so documentary
1: we, type show like ghost hunters or was it fiction no, it, it was entertainment it was um like x files yeah it was a the, there was a there was a group of uh um, people who were responsible for protecting earth against uh um, oh, okay a, okay you know and so, every now and then a UFO would enter the picture and they would, you know, either deal with it in some way. But my point is is that you see a lot of younger people that are in ufology right now don't have that history that some of us older people have. I don't feel old, but I feel old talking about it. Um, that we've been through these phases of, you know, we've, we've had congressional hearings back in the 60s and 70s. Mm. Shows, I was just, Coincidentally, I was watching a, a video the other night where um, uh, one of the famous talk show hosts was talking to uh, Arthur C. Clarke about hmm. UFOs, right? And, and, and uh, oh, what's his name? Anyway, the, the, the guy who ran the show said, what do you think about this current um, uh, you know, uh, atmosphere? Like, uh-huh. like there was some again, again a a, a hubbub, you know, a, a, an, ex, an exciting time around uf ufology or UFOs, uh-huh. and and then it subsides, right? And there's, there's it's you know it's like waves of uh, interest and in, and in, in, in subsiding, and I feel like we're just going through another one of those. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't know how you is, do. You have that impression? You're, you're only like 20 how old are you 20 some odd years old no I'm 33. <laughs> okay then you look younger than so I don't you, you probably don't remember those times you know where so any anyway I just I was curious to see what you thought and again I like Leo Elizondo. I, I invited him to come go shooting at our rifle club you know I like the guy but I, I do think uh, there's a strange effort afoot to, uh, you know, okay. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. No, I understand (laughs)
0: what you're saying. I don't don't know, because I'm not seasoned enough to see the cycles or to recognize that there is a repetition of disclosure from the government or the promise of disclosure. So I don't know. Also, I am extremely green when it comes to this field. I'm just someone who's extremely interested in math and physics started to become interested in consciousness, then started to become interested in UFOs, but still my domain is physics and math. So I don't see what you see because I'm not as close to it as you are.
1: Well, and honestly, I'm not that close to it. Um, I think that's uh, how, hopefully, been able to remain objective about it. Um, I'm not a believer or a skeptic, you know? Yeah, good, Uh, good. but I just, I, but anyway, I just wanted to kind of get your um, take on that. Again, I love Lou. I love the guy. If I had to jump in a foxhole, it would be with him. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, it doesn't it doesn't have to do. I, I, but I'm sure there's this uh, big consortium of uh, maybe that's sort of conspiratorial, but uh, an effort going on. Uh, phasing the disclosure or whatever maybe that's the message there.
0: there could be I don't know conspiracies have occurred and Likely are occurring whether or not there's one here. I don't know and whether and what it is. I don't know
1: I didn't, I really, know, mean to, I didn't really mean to say the word conspiracy in the same sentence because It doesn't
0: matter conspiracy. I don't yeah. hold a negative view like you mentioned religion yeah. and belief I don't hold a negative view toward religion. I see it as extremely positive to have an open mind and to be doubtful 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 that's that's an extremely dangerous mindset and i know because well i've been to certain places mentally and it's extreme people who say oh you should doubt you should doubt you have no idea you have no idea how how you're, you're so lucky it's like you're encased in armor and someone's attacking you and you say oh look how protected i am without recognizing that it's because you're shielded by well regardless the point is that i don't say conspiracies hold no water and i also don't think religion should be as disdained as it is there's a huge huge benefit to saying here's what is the case and and i believe there's man a man i pray for belief i think people who don't they haven't taken their own thoughts seriously i think people who say all the multiverse and simulation hypothesis and and whatever else they they're writing with their pens on paper they're treating it so clinically and they don't believe it. They don't take their own ideas seriously. I think if they did, they would be horrified, horrified, horrified. Anyway, Hmm. anyway, the point is that conspiracies occur. It's dangerous also to think that whatever is occurring is a conspiracy because that's, hopefully that's self-evident. It also seems to be clear that conspiracies did occur and it would be unwise to think that they're not occurring. So I don't care if the word conspiracy is said, that's what I'm getting at. I know that you want to be a bit more careful with your words, but you're not saying that there is a conspiracy you're conjecturing and that's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in, in leading up to the, my next question, um, and you kind of hit on it earlier about consciousness and it was actually one of our viewer questions. And I know this, we could talk two hours on this, so I'm going to try to let you just speak on this. I, I might just say one thing about consciousness. It's always felt to me that consciousness was a combination of physical and I'm a very I'm a very physical person or mm. I don't I mean I believe, you know, that's why I, I love the, the field that you're in the physics because mm. I believe I believe that, you know, that it, there's not a lot of woo here in that and that this planet was created for us to be sort of like a sandbox. And that maybe consciousness is our only path to the creator, you know um so I had this weird thing about consciousness, so I could talk about it all day but uh elena campbell had that was her question it's basically just what do you what do you think it is what what do you think about it hmm. so elena elena is that just like an audience member, or is that your your wife or no, she was. Uh, she's sort of. Uh, she's on in the. Basically, I met her at the UAP Society Discord, and then she was helping us with a little uh, think tank, a uh, little project team uh, that I had going, and um, so I've, I know her as a as a result of the you know the phenomena, really.
0: Okay, so if Elena's question is, "What do I think of consciousness?" Elena, I'm so, apologize, that's such a broad question. I don't know what to make of it. It's akin to what what do you make of religion or what do you make of movies? I don't, I don't know which movie and what part of it and what aspect. So I also don't think Elena that anyone knows the answer to that. There are different theories as to what consciousness is. So on the physical side, there are neural correlates as to whether or not those are causal. That's another issue. So that is, and then there are different there's global neuronal, Workspace. There's integrated information theory. There's different computational approaches, and whether or not it's a feedback process that's substrate independent, and so on. But these are this is just jargon for people who are unfamiliar. So I don't know. All I would say is that I'm studying it, and I don't know. It's it's unclear. I mean, I think Michael Levin said that in university one has consciousness studies. It's a growing field. It's burgeoning, but it's there. But it's not consciousness studies, because true consciousness studies is a first-person activity, it's not third. It may be like, if I can give an analogy, a physics analogy, there's a, imagine you have a globe. Turns out that you cannot map a globe with one chart. So that is, if you were to take a map of the globe, it's going to miss at least one point of the globe. It has to. So that's a that's a theorem in differential geometry. So it says that if you have a sphere, you cannot cover it with one chart. Well, anyway. That's, why, that's uh, why we
1: get the skewed c- sizes, the yes. uh, content yes. sizes. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know. So you
0: need two charts. You need at least two charts. Okay. <clears throat> then those charts overlap. So there's compatibility on those. Then there's something called compatib- a compatibility condition where those two charts overlap. So maybe that... The physical and the mental world, if we can even split it into those domains, are akin to that, that they're mapping the real world, which is the sphere. One is the physical, and then the other is a mental. And the physical cannot fully encompass the mental and vice versa, but there is a compatibility condition, which is why we can see these neural correlates, which is why there's almost certainly a relationship between the brain and consciousness, but yet we can't grasp it completely, nor can we, from our own intuition, derive all of the physical laws.
1: Yeah. And, I, and that's why, this is why I'm careful to say whether I believe something or think something. I, 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 Cause I can believe in this. I believe that. Um, basically what you just said. <laughs> and that, 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 that is really the only, that coupling is our only connection to the creator. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Everything else is a sand, you know, the earth is a sandbox, you know, now people will say, and this is where I differ with people who think it's a simulation, which I think is a silly thing, but I try to listen, you know, try to be uh, sympathetic, or empath- mm-hmm. uh, empathetic. And it, this leads up to our next question um, about free will. And, you know, I, I've always thought that he, that we've had free will to, to ro- uh, roam Rome in the sandbox and people may some people may think that's not a big enough mm. place to have free will like the our planet was created for us we you know we were created by the creator and and given the free will right <clears throat> and some people would just look back at that and say oh the earth is a simulation maybe the maybe that uh, condition is a you know i don't call it a simulation because i believe in a creator you know created the earth In the universe right so but within that you know at one time we had plenty of (laughs) space and we still do right we can fit all humans in texas or whatever that statistic is we still have lots of places to roam and be free and we have free will on earth and that's good enough for this life you know what anyway i rambled a little bit there sorry what do you think about free will and um Mm -hmm.
0: I don't think that free will... You see, the standard account, the standard materialist account, is to say that free will doesn't exist. This is not just materialism. So I think Bernardo Castro, who's an idealist, also doesn't think free will exists. I don't know how one can come to a decision so adamantly. It's unclear. So here's an example. Roger Penrose, even Roger Penrose, a physicist, one of the most brilliant people on the planet, says he thinks free will exists it's just not able to be defined nor modeled. We have an intuition as to what it is. Currently, it ex- it escapes our physics. It has something to do with the active component of consciousness, but what it is precisely we don't know. We experience it on a almost moment-to-moment basis, but as soon as we try to grasp it, it's like water and just goes through our, our fingers, but it doesn't mean the water is not there. Then there's also then there's also physical reasons. Well, I have to be delicate with my words. There's something in physics called determinism, which means that the conditions later in time are exactly calculable from something farther back. Mm. That's somewhat true. Okay, sorry, that's somewhat true, as in that's what it, it's almost a definition of determinism. However, even in Newtonian mechanics, there's non-determinacy. So people would say in Newtonian mechanics, in classical mechanics, Einstein mechanics, and so on, that doesn't have to do with quantum mechanics, that there it's a deterministic world. I'm sure you've heard Laplace's demon. If I knew all the positions of the molecules and the momentum, then I can calculate the universe at some future state. Turns out that that's not true. So for example, there's Norton's dome. This is a word or a phrase people can look up. It's Norton's dome is basically a solution to Newton's equations that are non-deterministic. So it means that determinism isn't actually baked into classical mechanics. People like to think so. So that means that even free will may be able to be saved there. Then there's people like Nicholas Jissen, who says that free will is a necessary precondition in order for us to even do science. So you use science to negate free will, but we use free will in order to say that science works. Okay, how does that work? Well, in order for you to determine whether a particular statement is reasonable, quote-unquote reasonable, you're using your free will. Now, if you weren't, then you would just be using, you would have no basis to accept it. This is a Nicholas Gisson's argument. This is not mine. I don't buy it completely. But all I'm saying is that there are extremely brilliant people on both sides. And there's no, it's not like the data is settled on this issue of free will. It also has extreme implications, extreme implications for us. So, for example, Dostoevsky has this quote. I don't recall where it's from, but it's something like, this is long, if you don't mind me, a minute and a half.
1: No, go ahead. Yeah, I'm it's something.
0: About. Sure, it's something like, even if man were nothing but a piano key and this were proved to him by the laws of natural science and arithmetic, even then, man would not become reasonable but instead do something perverse out of sheer ingratitude simply to prove to himself that man is not a piano key. Now, you may say that this too can be calculated and tabulated, the darkness and the curses and that reason would reassert itself well then man would go mad simply to rid himself of reason to prove to himself that man is not a piano key now you may scream that no one is touching my free will all that you care about is that my free will accord with the laws of natural science and arithmetic and my own interest well good heavens gentlemen what will be left of free will when it will all be tabulated and arithmetized when it will all be a case of twice two makes four Twice two makes four without my will, as if free will meant that. So that's one of my favorite quotes from Dostoevsky, which essentially is saying that, hey, you mess with someone's free will, you mess with the concept of free will to your own societal peril. Yeah,
1: I think, you know, there's room for. I think there's room for. You know, it's like it's the it's like the analogy of the the sandbox uh, you know if if the sandbox was created if i build a sandbox for my son you know and i put the sand and the toys in there right and i say you have to play in the sandbox for an hour he might not think he has free will but he can build a sand castle or he can throw the sand out or he can do right so it may i think we can i think you know so it's a matter of perspective really i feel like i have I've always been able to make whatever choices I wanted to make, you know, I wanted to be a professional football player when I was three years old. Right. And I was just didn't, didn't grow tall enough. I grew wide enough, but not tall enough,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: but, and then, you know, I wanted to be a scientist. My mother bought me, you know, microscopes and we, we, we had a pond by our house and I went, we would go out and get this pond scum and look at amoebas and some things. But at, at some point I made the choice, had the free will to decide. I wanted to be, you know, go into, you know, doing design build work. I think. So what if my choices were limited? You know, I still had a few choices. I, I think they actually weren't that limited. I probably limited them myself. You know. Um, uh, sometimes yeah, i
0: about. Yeah. Sorry, there's something about limitation and free will that coincide paradoxically because the word free is there which seems to imply less constraints or no constraints however if you were completely unconstrained well what does free mean you choose randomly you choose anything it, for, it's like it it's, it's like free energy <laughs> it yeah it would it doesn't make yeah. i don't see a constraint as being against the idea of free will it seems to me that there has to be some component of being restricted in order for one to be in order for one to properly exercise the free will, so for example, you choose dependent on your memory. If you had no memory, the free action would be arbitrary, and there doesn't seem to be an arbitrariness about one exercising free will. It seems to have something to do with intent. So, so the fact that you're limited in a particular to a particular height, to a particular geographical region, or a time period, and same with all of us. I don't see that as going against
1: the concept of free will. You know, it's funny. It's just on a human level, um, you know, take a homeless person, you know, who can't seem to get ahead, you know, are they to just expect, you know, or accept that it was predetermined that they were to be homeless or do we allow them to think they can get at, you know, become something different? You know, that's the problem I have with, people who think that free will is, doesn't exist, is that it's really an oppressor of human, of the human spirit, right? I want people to, to think that they have, they can do whatever they want to do in life and they can. And there are a lot of people, there's a lot of examples of this, you know, and if, and if and life is too short, you know, to give people this idea that they don't have any free will, you know, and that they're stuck in their condition, you know, it's just, it's depressing to me. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, call those, look, I think of those people as a, as oppressives. What what do the Scientologists call people oppressives? <laughs> mm. I think I think, you know, suppressives, whatever their term. I always think I always thought that was a funny term. But I, I want I want people to have hope and know that they can I was, you know, I was a poor, we were brought up poor. I was born in the Appalachians. You know, that's some of the poorest areas in the country, right? Dirt farmers, you know, and I didn't grow up thinking I was poor. I I grew up thinking, how can I, you know, how can I improve myself? How can I do better? And I just, you know, you got to go do it, you know? And so I don't know how people justify when, when there's so many examples of that, how they justify.
0: Hear that sound? Now, are you ready to start your own success story? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theories, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theories now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash theories. Razor blades are like diving boards. Just make sure to add them to the cart. Plus, 100 free blades when you head to h e n s o n s h a v i n g dot com slash everything and use the code everything.
1: Trying to, you know, put that on people that they have no free will. But I, I've always thought I got to be careful because that that question right there alone is what worth a couple hours, isn't it? Um, yeah. But. Let's see. Let me look here and see. I got these two monitors and one's getting in front of the other. I was trying to figure out what what good segues are. Um, by the way, I also don't... I don't think that having free
0: will goes against the idea that one can be unduly and negatively restrained by their environment. So, for example, that there... I think that one of my... the ethos. One of my values is... Or something that I think is that The quality of a society is the way that the populace treats the homeless people. Now, not necessarily the government, because that's the easy route, is to say the government should take care of the homeless, and I think that they should, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't show compassion, and I think that there's a great line in the Bible, like, woe to the person who has something to give and doesn't. I think that we should not look down at homeless people, and we should be generous and kind and bestowing and helpful And Loving and warm and merciful and if and and to see how the heck you could be in that situation Like easily so so lucky that you're not or they're so unlucky. There's similar framing So I think that people who haven't had an addiction or people who don't have friends They have no clue what it's like to have an addiction or concomitantly have no friends there's the study with rats where if you give rats cocaine then they continually do so, even neglecting food, and they'll do so until they die. However, that happens with single rats in cages. But if you put them with a group and you give them access to cocaine, they'll do it every once in a while. Like They'll have a party, but they won't sacrifice food for it. And that implies that the social environment has such a role to play in addiction and into homelessness and it's a terrible, terrible state. You hear people who, maybe they're not homeless, maybe that's not the right term, but they're, they're not well, and they walk around the street and they scream, and it's almost never, never a positive statement. It's never, oh, this is wonderful, I love you all. It's something, go after yourself and take a knife into your vagina. It's like, it just shocks you, and, and you just hold on to your wife, or, you, or you, you give them a wide berth as you cross the street, or you try not to look at them. Because you don't want to acknowledge that that could be you. Or you don't want to acknowledge that you don't want them to look... Well, it's a sad, sad state. And sure, it could be their fault. Who cares? Who cares? So all of our problems, almost all of our problems are our fault to some degree. The Compassion should always be given. Anyway, so that's m- me saying that even if one is to believe in free will, it doesn't mean that one should just neglect those who are... on. I don't want to say on the underside of society because that implies that they're beneath us in some way. But financially, they are, and mentally, they seem to be. It's not a pleasant place. And I also think free will is necessary for them to get themselves out of that position too, psychologically. Because if they're told, like, it's twin, it's not free will. Therefore, you stay in your lower position socially. It's free will plus generosity, plus mercy, plus warmth. Anyway... That's my little aside, just so that I'm not misinterpreted as saying, I don't believe that. Sorry, I've lost no. my train of thought, but hopefully you understand.
1: No, I do. And I appreciate that because it, uh, you know, we we can have our philosophy and our, you know what I mean? We can ha- We can have these conversations, but when it comes down to it, we really should treat other people the way we want to be treated, you know? I think if we get too much, too deep into that mindset of, uh, you know, blase, there's no free will. What does, does, does it matter what I do in life? Or, you know, I think it, it's kind of a, to me, even, I think ob, simple observation gives us the answer that we have free will. and But some people would say you're just zooming in too close to a certain condition. And you've made these choices, but in the end, you'll have the same result. And which is the, um, the
0: easiest way to dispel the materialist account of lack of free will is to get them to point out where the distinguishing, where you and the world is distinguished. So, what's distinct between you and the world? It's not clear because your electrons overlap with the electrons in the sun. So, technically, you are the world. Now, I'm not saying this is the case, I'm saying this is a spiritual way of interpreting materialism or physicalism. And Raymond Smullyan, who's a mathematician said, there is no difference between you and the natural laws, which means even if you were to say, look, zooming in, in your words, Tony, you zoom in into the brain and it's neuronal firing that is outside your conscious awareness. Well, somehow the laws of nature that instigate those neuronal firings are also you.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Sorry. I was sometimes I get, so engrossed in a thought, I don't make a very good host.
0: <laughs> oh no, that's fine. Hey man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because uh, I, I'll, I'll be thinking, and I'm like, that's a, that's an awesome thought. Um, the, I mean, there, there was a couple of, and really, that, that I should have say that one for last because that was, that's a great subject because it touches on so many, you know, uh, uh so much on the human condition that it's, it's kind of awesome, but. There's, I, I guess, if you don't mind me asking you about a couple of my sure. little pet peeves in science, you know, one, one of the things about being my age is that, you know, I grew up with the, with the, with the development of the internet, right, and so, for what 40, 40 something years, I, you know, I've uh, been influenced by knowledge that comes out of this, this machine, at me. And so some of the things that annoy me and maybe they maybe they just um, are I want to I don't I hate to use you to confirm anything that I I think, but I am I do respect your uh, knowledge. And so I wanted to take just a minute to talk about one of the what I consider myths is time travel and hmm. just do it one little quick thought experiment and then you can hmm. you can say that is true or false or what you think about it okay and it's a very common but i think sometimes we just need to go back to basics right we need to say if if i you know if i jump on a, a space a, a rocket and i'm traveling near the speed of light away from earth time for me slows down right and time well time is real right so time remains relative for me but it is actually Slowing down, right? The closer I reach the speed of light, and the and the and the earth and the time on Earth remains ticking the same, right? So, when if I turn around and come back, I mm-hmm. I feel like right I have just uh, less time is going by for me than it has for the people on Earth. It's still mm-hmm. now on it's still now on Earth, and it's still now for me. So I haven't really time traveled. I've just, I've just displaced myself from their, their, relative to their time. I guess what bugs me is when people talk about time travel—is if you can just zip back and forth. Um, so, does that make does that question even make uh, sense? Yep.
0: Yep. 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 Okay. So with regard to. That's called a twin paradox, by the way. So you go off, Earth stays still, and then you come back.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: There's not a satisfying explanation of it. Now, you may say, well, some the physicists may say, OK, it's as simple. It's, it's super simple. You just draw the space-time diagram. So that is, if people who are listening are mathematicians or physicists, then you draw a space-time diagram of what it's like for the Earth. And you just stay in the Earth's frame, just going up toward the center. Time is on the y-axis going upward. And then the rocket ship moves off, let's say, near 44, 46. It's near a 45-degree angle. And then comes back. And you draw a thick line there so that you can have a light clock. Because that's how you measure time—is with a light clock. That is to say that you have a... I, I don't know how to explain this simply. But either way, theres you have a timekeeping device with you. To compare, times only makes sense once you've come back together. So if you were to just go off, this is why the paradox is there, because if you just went off, whereas the other person stayed still, you don't know if they're moving away from you or if if you're moving away from them. That's the whole point of special relativity, of relativity, it's that it's all relative. As soon as you come back, then you're able to compare. And then you look at the space-time diagrams and you see, well, which one has more ticks of the clock or less ticks of the clock? Okay, anyway, there's a reason why I don't find that to be terribly satisfying, but we can get into that after. As for time travel, It's not so out of the question. So, for example, I've been toying with this idea that the past isn't fixed phenomenologically, meaning from our experience. So phenomenology is a branch of philosophy by this person named Husserl or Heidegger, which essentially means take your experience as fundamental. Don't take the quote-unquote objective world. Take your experience. That's what's first. Okay, so phenomenologically, it seems clear that the past isn't fixed because our memories constantly change. We have a certain... There also, it doesn't seem to be the idea of past because there's only the now. So uh, it's not quite clear to me that what's objective should hold more water. Secondly, there's also solutions to Einstein's equations, such as the Girdle universe. So Girdle of the Girdle's incompleteness theorem, if people have heard about that, which have closed time-like curves. And that is that, they, that you have time travel. And so one of the ways you get around time travel in physics is by stipulating there exists no closed time-like curves. But then what you've done is you've proven time travel doesn't exist by assuming it doesn't exist.
1: I guess I was trying to eliminate the folding of space-time.
0: Hear that sound? Now, are you ready to start your own success story? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theories, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theories now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash theories.
1: <laughs> Scenario, I was just trying to do some basic you know, out there back time dilation, right? And... And so we can we can test that right we we've, we've actually tested this that we've we've ran experiments on the th- time dilation right because we have measured the differences between astronauts mm-hmm. as well, you know right we've, haven't we taken atomic clocks on our you know, space missions and mm-hmm. we've compared them when they can come back so i guess my my other my other point or question really is is that to me there is no big database in the sky or you know in the universe that records the past. Uh, and in the example that I just gave, the twin uh, paradox, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as like you said, as I was traveling through space and coming back, we were still moving through right space-time. So the only effects, um, the only remnant that is there, is our effects on space time that is behind us because we are moving in a direction right and that you can't go back to that point that so you can't travel backward in time and you really can't travel for i can't just dial in a date well i guess i could tony
0: it would be unclear how one detects if one has traveled backward in time so it could be that we have already it could be this is us how do we know because if you've undone it We don't know, so it's in some ways it's unfalsifiable. There's also the transactional interpretation of quantum mechanics, which isn't talked about much, which is Richard Feynman's interpretation, which has time going in both directions. I think he precludes the past by saying we only observe the forward one. However, the backward one does occur. I need to study this some more, and I'd like to do an episode on that. But there is the transactional interpretation of quantum mechanics, and then there is time revert. I'm just throwing out, it sounds like balderdash to people who did <laughs> but I'll throw out words because some people who watch are extremely yeah, interested. Fine. They can at least really search it. Yeah. Up. So time reversal symmetry, there's something called CPT symmetry. I also don't think that our conception of time is developed enough to answer such a question. So the reason I say that is because, well, firstly, this is not a controversial statement. This is Carlo Rovelli is opining on what time is he's a physicist. Lee Smolin is still under, like, this is not, it sounds like a woo statement, but it's, it's not. Also, time was, I have a podcast with this podcaster named Generation Z, his name is Dave. I know Dave. We talk about this, where the word time has existed before physicists. And then physicists came along and said, let me measure one aspect of this time that you refer to. And then we now think that that time is all of what time should be.
1: But it's not. But I mean, there. just to sticking to like a timeline. Okay, Make, help me keep this simple for me. <laughs> okay, sure. if if I were to, to, for me, I don't I don't think of it in on those terms because as the now is the now is traveling through space time. So the, I'm not back at that point anymore. I'm I'm at a different point. So how can I go to a point? And let me let me ask you this. If I was able to go back to a point, there would be no way to travel fast enough to get back to the point, the current now, because I couldn't travel faster than, okay. So then we get into a lot of the real, relativity questions. But I'm just saying, without without the woo, to me, it doesn't seem like, it, you know, it doesn't seem practical. You know, maybe I just have a limited amount of knowledge on the subject but i'm just thinking of it on the scale or the, the timeline scale uh, right if i go back that you know the earth all of nature is still moving uh down the timeline there's nothing there the only thing there is, let's say you can't even get in front of the light that we emitted because you can't travel faster than light to get in front of it To look back at it. Yeah,
0: yeah, (laughs) I understand what you're saying. I would just say that keep in mind physics becomes overturned every, well, it's happening less and less, but it becomes overturned every 60, 70 years or so. So even faster than light travel is not out of the question. So this Frederick Schuller, who has a great lecture on faster than light matter, and he says, people think all of science would have to be overturned. No, you just go back to the formalism, and there's a different kind of light cone. it expands slightly larger, and that's and we can even write down how faster than light matter would have to propagate or what conditions it would have to follow so it, all of this is to say I don't know it we're so we're so young yeah. with it' it's see, like just a kid talking
1: kid. with you about this has eased my has eased my um, opinion of it so that's great
0: good. great yeah that's, that's, so it's all, that's that's awesome. Why that was
1: I, I'm, I told people I'm very selfish. I want to interview Kurt to learn something. <laughs> I'm not doing it for other people. I'm doing it for me. It's very selfish. Yeah. But I, yeah. want to, I want to... Um,
0: hear that sound? Go to shopify.com slash theories now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash theories. Same uh, with my podcast too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I understand, you know, I often thought that, that black holes were uh, a gateway to other universes and that, that we can gain information uh, and that the plasma, the information that's being spit out of the center, you know, the jets or maybe information from other universes or something. So it's not like I don't have an imagination. It's just that I have this yearning, this desire to stay, you know, grounded in some way. And I I just want to, I just want to tell people, try it, you know, show me, show me how you do it. Don't, don't just talk about it. And most people honestly don't have the ability. And I understand that I don't have the ability to, to, all I can do is think of it on a sketch, you know, on a, on a linear basis. I know that's very elementary, and um, but I I like to think that you know entropy is a thing, and that the the me that is now is not gonna, is obviously breaking down over time, and so I don't know how you I don't know how you can justify the the entropy with <clears throat> with traveling to the past, you know, <clears throat> I mean, even if, even if you know, but I understand, I, but so I, you've eased uh, you've eased my thinking a bit.
0: All I'm saying is that our understanding of not only physics but the universe, ourselves, and so on, is extremely, I could say, rudimentary. But then also, you could say, there's the opposite view of the more eastern end which is that you have arrived already. You know everything. Stop it. This is more nonsense being generated by... One of my favorite quotes is, is by T.S. Eliot, which says, and at the end of all our exploring we will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. I think that's one of the ways that one can recover a sense of realness, by the way, because as you know, we have this sense of this is solid, but then you look... With a microscope and then you see well the atoms are spaced so far apart it's an illusion the ego is an illusion etc etc this world is an illusion i think that it goes through a phase i think that if one is still trapped in that illusory phase one hasn't progressed so there's the real phase where you just take everything for granted you're a child and then you go through a horrible debilitating phase but then i think that the stories, and Diana Pasolka seemed to allude to this, or actually directly reference it, that the story of ancient people is to go through Plato's cave to exit it, say, oh my gosh, those were just shadows on the wall, I thought they were real, but then to come back and realize the reality of it, that there's actually something real about it. And all this talk about illusory free will and illusory ego and illusory world, I think that's just step two. I think step three is, is to come back and to say, actually, no, there is solidity here. So, for example, Bernardo Castorp would say, mm, it's not idealism that says all of this is in your head. That's materialism. Materialism is the one that says you're projecting all of this. Idealism, at least his version of idealism, says that you're a mind inhabiting this world. Your folk sensations, your ordinary sensations of solidity is real. You then go through this scientific process of undoing it, but actually, what's most real is your experience of it and, and there's some more subtleties to it, but anyway, I think that to me demonstrates that other that progression you grow up feeling this rock is solid, then you go and it's undermined by science and physicalism, and if you take it seriously, well you're gonna good luck to you if you take it seriously like anyway, then you eventually. If you're lucky, you can come back to a place where you say, you know what? This is real. I have free will, or at least I have something akin to free will. There is an ego. There is solidity here. It may not be the initial conception, but there's something there and maybe more real than, than the original realness. You may come back and feel like, oh my gosh, man, I had such a loose grip on reality for a while, but now I'm starting to feel like I'm in a better place. This is more real. This is more real than when I was a child. And this is more loving than when I was a child. I have a feeling love has something to do with it. I have a feeling that what's real is loving. Now that's absolutely strange for someone who studies math and physics to say, but I can speak
1: well. I mean,
0: nebulously for a while.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, the thing is, we're—it's like I said, you know—we're kind of this is—we're kind of stuck in this, this big sandbox, and we can we can we can think of you know. You know, if a big boulder falls on my head, I can say, you know, wow, that's that that boulder has, you know, atoms that are so far apart that I could just Well, I can't, you know, I'm going to get squished. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then maybe in my next life, I'll be able to brag about, you know, think think on terms of you know on those terms. But in this life. I don't I guess, to, yeah, I know, think
0: that that's a, a dangerous part of our society is to venerate the objective to such a degree that we neglect the utility of what we're doing. So it's rare that a scientist, let's say a a programmer, Google, will think, well, what the heck am I creating? Let me step back. Let me resign, firstly or secondly. It's rare that that happens. We think in terms of interest and objectivity. And we have this assumption, or at least we tell ourselves, well, whatever we're studying objectively will eventually provide flourishment That's not clear. In fact, it seems clear that that's not the case with the invention of atomic bombs and potentially illnesses that can wipe out our entire civilization. And I'm no economist, but I don't think there's an economist who would say that our financial system doesn't have its perils and that it's dubious and that it can go, it can be extremely deleterious for a large portion of the audience. Sorry, a large, well, a large portion of the audience, sure, and a large portion of the population. So it's not clear to me that let's just study whatever it is objectively and remove ourselves. Let's be dispassionate about it. It's not clear to me that that's good. I don't think that scientists would say that it's good. I think that they act sometimes irresponsibly by not stepping back and saying, well, is what I'm doing producing a positive effect or not? Hmm. These are
1: these are hard uh... Discussions to have in an hour and a half, aren't they? <laughs> I, was, I was looking at the questions from the, from the, uh, you know, those who submitted them. I think, I think we could go through them uh, quickly. Uh, when you answered, when well, we didn't answer it, we talked about Elena's question about consciousness and Jess. Uh, some of these are just yes or no questions. Um, if you had to go back, this was Jess. He submitted through the, the, think tank website Um, so he's eligible for a prize at the end if you had to go back when you were a teenager 15 he puts and had to tell yourself one thing what would you say that's a tough one okay
0: sure sure it would be about having a goal in mind so for example when studying don't just study don't just try to memorize let's say some theorem barrett's reconstruction theorem, if you're trying to understand SO10. So that's these are physics terms. Learn what you have to learn as steps to some goal. Don't just go and learn because you're told you should know so-and-so. So that's one. Another one would be to... Well, it's difficult because it's easy for me to say that marriage is extremely sacred and there's something wonderful about it and that sex isn't trivial and that me breaking women's hearts because I had mine so damaged and I was so I was so hurt that it's it's no way to live and you'll cut off so many parts of your life because of that you just don't fall prey to that meet odium with love settle down perhaps even though you don't have to settle down just meet that rancor with something positive but it's easy for me to say because I have some perspective it's not as well none of us are but I have perspective. It's unclear to me if one has to live through a path in order to see that the lesson, sometimes it's unclear to me that one can suggest a lesson to someone who hasn't gone through a path already.
1: Yeah. One of the, one of my funny little beliefs is that, um, that we, when we were created, there was this DNA blocker (laughs) that our, our teenage, our, our children have that don't, doesn't allow them to learn from their parents. <laughs> you know, like I can't, you can't pass down, like mm-hmm. they have to, they have to obtain their own knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Because it seems like we would have evolved so much quicker if, if, uh, if our children had, had, uh, of course, I guess that goes the opposite way too. Maybe it's a protection mechanism <laughs> against mm-hmm. ignorance. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, Alexei, and and I'm not being fair to Alexei because he had several questions, and I just picked one at random, Um, and and I think we may have answered, you may have talked about this already. Do you think UAPs are extraterrestrials or from secret projects? His, His other question was a lot more, I have to give him credit, complicated. I don't know.
0: I don't know. I'm undecided on that.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like I say, we kind of talked about that earlier. Uh, Walker, um, during the introduction of an interview with Lou, I'm sorry, that was, his name was Walker. I'm sorry. During the introduction of of an interview with Lou, Kurt says, read between the lines on what Lou says. What Kurt, now he has time to process it. Discern from Lou's comments and breadcrumbs on the UAP phenomenon and our origins and evolution? That's a tough question to even read. I don't know how you're going to answer it. Do you remember that um, interview? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm not bright enough or informed enough to read between the the lines. Oh, (laughs) that's not a Freudian slip. (laughs) So I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think I think there's a quality to that because I I I tend to like to study people, and sometimes I think that what I'm learning, what I'm reading between the lines, is inc you know incorrect, and so it's probably you know you think it might be a good trait, but it's probably I like the uh, I like the objectivity behind like you know not necessarily making the assumptions
0: right. It's akin to reading poetry in a sense. Hopefully it's more concrete than that. But there are wrong ways to read poetry. And the reason you know this is that we don't all get A's when we submit our poetry essays in school. There seems to be something that distinguishes high-quality analysis and low-quality analysis. And same in universities. Otherwise, they wouldn't give out grades at all. So there seems to be better, maybe not wrong, but better or less better or more suited or less suited ways of interpret ways of interpreting. It's not a an easy task. What we have are these intimations, and we have nebulous data, bleary conjectures, and they contradict with one another. So we have a sense that a, a sneaking suspicion that something is there. Almost all of us has that that there's more to this subject than meets the eye. We feel it in our guts, and we're each taking a large gamble that there's more to this. And it could be that there's not. That's what we're doing. I have tremendous respect for Lou. So when I said that that's not a Freudian slip, I meant that. I hope that that's not taken out of context. It's not easy no, it, to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's different if you're, you know, if somebody comes up to you and says, oh, it's a great day, you know, and you're reading behind between the lines and you think, oh, he doesn't really think it's a great day because, you know, he said it, oh, it's a great day then Hmm. that's different from, you know, you're having a conversation with Lou who has, um, you know, limitations on what he can say and what he can't, you know, what he can and can't say. Right. So he, he, he's automatically at a disadvantage. He can't say probably everything he wants to say.
0: Lou's in such a terrible position, a position that I don't envy because I believe he has knowledge that he can't come out and talk about, whether or not that's been given to him as false information, whether or not it's, well, whatever. He has some knowledge that he can't speak about, and we assume that it's knowledge about UFOs and that it's about, we have assumptions about what that knowledge could be, and we desperately want him to to reveal it. And so we look and we know this person knows more about this subject, but he can't say it. So maybe he's leaking information in subtle ways to skate the legalities. He could be. It's tricky. We don't know. He may be. We don't know. And I'm, like I mentioned, I'm not astute enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough to to perform an interpretation. I allow, or I allow, or the community decocts for their own, and then I get to take a look, and I formulate some of my own ideas, but
1: but it changes. There's all, and this is kind of a minor point and I'm not speaking of Lou. I'm also, I'm just saying people who have worked in the intelligence agencies also, again, this is not Lou. Don't everybody jump on me. I love Lou. Okay. I love the guy, but people like him have certain jobs of creating certain, that is their job to create the breadcrumbs and to, uh, uh, get you to try to read between the lines, and they're trying to influence what you're trying to read between the lines, right? That's what intel. That's what counterintelligence is. I'm not saying lose practice. Yeah. No, I understand what you're saying. I understand. I'm saying if that's why you can't. That's why you you know you would have to be a 3D chess expert to even start to go there. So it's probably best that we don't make those assumptions. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. I agree in that. sorry let me be clear about what i'm agreeing to i agree that one can drive themselves mad actually mad putting up newspaper clippings on the wall putting pins in them and drawing red pointers between them like the detective trying to find patterns that will allow them to catch a serial killer when the data is so scant and this is simple this is from statistics it's everyone everyone knows this if you have just a few data points you can't draw a line you don't even know if it's a line that you're supposed to draw is it a curve what kind of curve it's called curve fitting which are
1: what you don't want to do yeah and uh sorry i was actually get, just giving alexei's actual question that i screwed up and uh, uh i may have subconsciously avoided it because i don't understand it uh, <laughs> do you think we orbit the center of all time and that humans uh, the human experience is limited by the factor of the speed of life. Uh,
0: I don't understand the question either, Tony. So we're, we're both in the same place.
1: I'm a, and I wasn't trying to be negative. It doesn't mean
0: it's a foolish question. I'm just not. Yeah, I
1: don't. I don't either. I just, I'm, you know, I'm a design build contractor. So some of these things, and I've spent a lot of time with Alexei, and I, I think I've gathered some of his concepts, but honestly, I would have to, you know, to do much more study spend many more times uh many more hangouts with alexei on that one um then let's see the last user presented question is could you make a podcast explaining maxwell's heavy side equations Oh, he snuck in two questions did Mm -hmm. did lou elizardo have anything to do with setting up that interview with sal pious i'm sorry okay
0: okay i'll answer them in order Number one, there are plenty of explanations out out there already on the heavy side equations. And as for, and so I can't do, oh, hey, this is a great time. I can announce this. So I just announced this on Chris Leto's show, which will come out Friday. But anyway, there's this YouTuber called 3Blue1Brown. By the way, Tony, when does this come out? This is live, but then are you taking it down and then editing?
1: I can if you want me to.
0: No, no, it's fine. So you'll just leave this up.
1: I generally do. yes. that's fine.
0: Okay, so yeah. then this can be announced. There's a YouTuber called Three Blue One Brown, who's a YouTuber that gives math explainers beautifully done. Well, they make you weep looking at them because they're so. They take an extremely overwrought subject that's not explained well, and then explains them such that you can understand them five years before you're supposed to. So let's say a, a fourth year undergrad concept when you're in first year or or high schooler. He did a contest last year and he said, you know, it would be great if there was more math explainer videos animated, perhaps. Maybe it's a lecture. Maybe it's a, of some sort of documentary, whatever. Math explainer videos on YouTube. And to facilitate this or to encourage it, I'm going to make a contest. This is Grant Sanderson of Three Blue, One Brown saying this. So why don't you all submit to me your some idea for a mathematics video and I'll feature them. I'll even give a prize to the top five, like $1,000 each, so 5000 in total. And he had 1,000 submissions, and they were it was wonderful. The point is not to win. The point is simply to push more content of mathematical explanations out there. And I thought, you know, that would be great to do for physics and consciousness. So I emailed him, and I said, would that be all right if I do because I don't want you to feel as if what I'm doing is treading too closely to your ground? And he said, just go for it. So in about one week or so, I'm going to announce officially, though here you, this counts, I'm going to announce on the Toe channel that there will be a physics and consciousness contest for people to explain, take some advanced concept in physics. Now, the Maxwell-Heaviside equations aren't terribly advanced. You learn that as a second-year student, perhaps, but some advanced physics concept, and then explain it simply via animations, via a blackboard, via, I have some notes here which I can get to. Or consciousness. I want it to keep the rigor though. So perhaps it's a theory of everything that someone has. They can explain it in five minutes, 20 minutes, beautifully done with proper audio and, and video and submit it. Or it can be an ingredient to a toe. So for example, Wolfram's theory or loop quantum gravity. What are Ashtakar variables? That's the that's a lecture two in quantum in loop quantum gravity. You can explain ingredients to a toe or a toe or consciousness, or a side of consciousness, like what's Bernardo's analytic idealism. Explain that in five to ten minutes, such that it's engaging, such that it has the rigor, and such that it's there's some other condition. It's essentially the copycat version of 3Blue1Brown's mathematics contest, but for physics slash consciousness. You can choose physics, or consciousness, or some combination like Penrose does. Anyway. When this person said, Can I make a podcast explaining Maxwell's heavy side equations? Well, firstly, that exists. And then secondly, if someone wants, they can create it. Maybe they can go through Salvatore Pius's interview and put some animations to it and explain what the heck he's talking about. Ah, right. That's it.
1: No, that's awesome. You know, and I would add, and of course, I, I couldn't do any of that, but I would add that when people do that, try to be original, you know, and 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 You know, because there's a lot of uh, I'm not going to be mean and call it plagiarism, but Mm -hmm. people tend to people tend to copy and paste ideas, you know, those types of things. And and one of the reasons I was wanting to talk about and I forgot this, honestly, you know, the human intellect earlier and about education was that I wanted to kind of challenge people like even like me. Who's, who's just a design mill contractor to learn more, keep learning because over the years I, I have absorbed things, right? And you can, you just have to be consistent. Like I, you know, I try to learn something, a little tidbit each, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, go look at, I'll go try to memorize the periodic table or I'll try to, you know, try mm-hmm. to understand the quarks and muons and gluons and gravitons. I'll try to just go and pick one little concept and, you know, once a week I'll try to, but I, but that's kind of where I was going with the objectivity, you know, comments. Ah, uh-huh. Okay. And trying to get people just inspire them to do that, even though they think they may not, uh, you know, have the capability. You do to to, to grasp basic physics, right? So there's this
0: great quote from Wheeler that I frequently, I use as a refrain. Wheeler said, the point of math or physics is not to drink from the fire hose, but instead to get wet. One of the ways you can interpret that is, okay, you can watch a lecture and don't be upset that you didn't absorb almost all of it. You're in the environment. By osmosis, it will occur. If you've ever played No Man's Sky, which is a video game, you learn words for a particular language. So you go to a planet and then you find some edifice or some rock formation and it teaches you a word and so then you go and you speak to an alien and most of the words are gibberish and then you got one word you have no idea what the sentence is gibberish gibberish parrot gibberish gibberish (laughs) gibberish are they going to eat the parrot are you a parrot are (laughs) they saying you're parroting someone you have no clue later on you get another word and slowly and all what happens is generally is there will come a point where so much more makes sense it may take one year where little is making sense
1: little more, a
0: little more, and then it accelerates, and then you have another plateau, and then it accelerates. So just keep pushing through, just get wet. May I want to make a toe t shirt? Just get wet. I also want to make a toe t shirt that says, Don't thrust or stop thrusting about how people thrust their toes, much like I'm sure occurs in your comment section or in the live chat where people have this point of view and they try to impose it upon others from their theory of everything. Don't thrust, trust your toe. If you truly had a toe, You would be so much more calm about it. I was talking to someone, some spiritual guru, about this topic. And he said, Kurt, if you were to ask the Dalai Lama about some grand metaphysical question, he would almost certainly say, I don't know. And he would just be calm about it. And he would just smile at you. He wouldn't be typing in all caps in the comment section. He wouldn't be saying authoritative statements. So you can take that as a sign that likely the person who's thrusting doesn't either trust their own toe or doesn't have a, a toe with humility. I, I like that. So one of the community guidelines for theories of everything the channel for commenting is don't thrust. don't thrust your toe
1: that's, that's interesting. one of the one of the people I was following for a little while was sadguru when I was studying uh, Jainism and you know and um, I found that you know the philosophy very interesting and it it, it reminded me of your you know, quote from the Dalai Lama is is awesome. I guess mm-hmm. so how do you? So I guess you, you balance that with it's not that you're not thirsting for knowledge or that you're making an effort to learn. It's that when you encounter people, how do you treat them with that knowledge? Right.
0: There was a question that I didn't answer, which was part two of I don't recall the person's name who asked about Sal and Lou Elizondo.
1: That was Pat.
0: Uh, So I can answer that directly. Lou had nothing to do with it. Sal reached out to me via email out of the blue and said that he liked the Theories of Everything podcast. He likes that it's fairly technical when it comes to physics, and he wanted to explain his side. I would like to do a part two with Sal. It just depends on him. We're both too busy right now. I want to do it in person. He would like to flesh out some ideas with me on in a peer-reviewed journal that is to see if his ideas or certain components of his ideas stand up to rigor and even if they don't that's still worth publishing because you can publish a null result. null results are powerful no-go theorems by the way are some of the most powerful so Weinberg and Witten have a famous no-go theorem about gravitons and maybe that would occur but we'll see I wish Lou had helped with that I don't think Lou's helped with anything other than coming onto the program but that's plenty man Lou I'm so grateful for because I know that he gets criticized and every time he comes on, the praise doesn't matter. You probably, you know this just as much as myself and just as much as Lou. Probably nowhere near as much as Lou though, for me, for sure. That it doesn't matter how much people praise you. The criticism sticks, perhaps the criticism hurts more because there's praise. Like a rose with thorns hurts more than simply a thorny bush because you prize the rose. And so you see the value that's encompassed by it. And then you see the, hmm, yeah, the praise for
1: the the praise for me is almost embarrassing or or um, it's it's I would in some ways you know I don't like the criticism but I, I I'm more you you know I expect it more than praise so when I <laughs> if I get praise it's it's like please you know <laughs> thank you but I, I don't deserve you know I don't deserve the praise and and i and i do that um because i you know all, i'm always aware that you know i need to learn learn more you know that's, and so that's why i'm trying to develop these little personal standards and i thought that's why i was bouncing questions off of you about objectivity and, and the scientific method and so on because i wanted to kind of be balanced as i go along and it's like you helped me with concepts you know on the time travel and not to be so opinionated about it it's
0: also we don't know what time is and i know that sounds yeah. strange for someone who studies physics but it's not carlo Rovelli, lee Smolin, like i mentioned are constantly arguing about time julian barber same His the Janus point theory yeah i gotta get going tony
1: okay well thank you kurt i appreciate the time you gave me today it was it was awesome and um Maybe in the future, not too soon, you could come back and we could do a roundtable with some people if it's not too. too
0: like I mentioned, I aspire to emulate your note-taking habits, man. So thank you for <laughs> well for showing me some of them. Do you have any last the quick questions before I have maybe two more minutes? No, we.
1: Um, let me. I was going to ask. I was going to ask you to pick a number so that I could. Uh, so I've got one, two, three, four, five. If you would just pick. A number between one and five—that's <laughs> going to be our winner on the people who's, who who uh, entered questions.
0: I have a, okay. So one, two, three, or four, or five. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can you tell me what number you think I have?
1: Uh, four. Ah,
0: okay, I have two. I have two. I was oh, going to be flipped out if you got it.
1: Times. No, I, I haven't done very well in the remote viewing experiments. I got too much of a of a. I guess I am a little skeptical. <laughs> so but I haven't done very well in the experiments that we've put. Is it
0: all right know. if I so I'm gonna check some of the comments before I go? Is that all right? The oh, yeah, live yeah, chat.
1: Yeah. No, go ahead, please. I, I didn't wanna I didn't want to run you off. I thought you were out of time.
0: Oh <clears> yeah, <throat> I do have to get going soon. Okay, let me see. So Kurt M Kurt M, by the way, there's someone named Kurt M. I keep thinking. This person's not many people have Kurt with a C.
1: Are you the Kurt J out there? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. So okay. Someone said, Is Sal really that nice? Sal is inspiring how nice he is, at least to me. So,
1: Sal reminds me of a, a guy I grew up with who had Asperger's. And you oh. I'm not I'm not saying he has Asperger's. Yeah, he doesn't, I'm sorry. He, doesn't. he he just reminds as as me of a guy. You could ask him the depth of the Atlantic Ocean at a given coordinate and he could tell you. You know, but I <clears throat> God love the guy. But Anyway, I didn't mean to make that comparison. But oh, I don't. Just remind hey, his, his mannerisms and his look even reminds me.
0: Uh huh. Well, thank you all for for watching this. And oh wow, there's 49 people. Thank you all for coming out. And thank yeah, you, you Tony for great, having me. I appreciate that.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I, I really appreciate your time. And um, um, if, I don't know if there's any other comments in the out there you saw that you want to address, but I, I do appreciate it. I think it's. Um, I think it's important for people like us to get together you know i think there's too much there's almost like this division of the classes you know and especially on the internet there's the, the scientists and the the workers and the <laughs> you know and this and that i like it i like well, that you accepted this invitation and you came to speak to me you are, in a, in a you way that you are much more
0: of a scientist than than myself in the sense that you actually produce something, whereas I'm just a symbol pusher, and and barely one at that. So someone like Brian Keating, is a actual scientist because he makes or at least interprets results and produces. He's an experimentalist. Well,
1: I think you underestimate your influence. You know, I mean, you certainly inspired me to 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 invite you and hope hope that you came and to spread you know spread whatever message you could about physics and science and learning and intelligence and consciousness Thank you know you. That sh- sharing of your time is is really awesome i appreciate it
0: and about this division of the of the classes on youtube i don't know if i would put it as such but i do see something where so this is a, a pre-announcement i do see where people who are higher up than you in whatever it may be views subscriber count twitter followers that they tend to not ac- even acknowledge you. And partly that's because for me, I'm emiless. So I'm desirous. I want to, I'm a competitive person. And I see that in others. And I know that I, I, because I see that in myself, I know that I wish someone when I was struggling, super struggling with YouTube, still am to some degree, but when I like, let's say a year ago or two years ago, that someone would just acknowledge me. Someone would say, Hey, you should check out Kurt from Toe from theories of everything. It's a, it's a pretty, Good channel, even though it's in my space, and I feel like it's a competitor of mine. I think you should check it out. So no one has done that. No one, still, no one has done that. I've emailed several people who are higher up than me, and and they don't seem to want to meet. Anyway, I thought, you know what? Why don't I catalog my favorite channels that are fifteen thousand subscribers to zero? So like maybe just up and coming creators in the same space as myself so math physics consciousness even ufos and i highlight them in a video say if you like the toe channel check out these small creators because i know what it's like to be struggling and have no one talk about you so tomorrow or the day after or so you can expect a video where if you and by the (laughs) tony you're doing well otherwise i would have I would have mentioned you, man, but you have like seventy thousand subscribers, so kudos to you.
1: and oh, uh, see, I understand that. I, I'm in a, I'm in kind of in a different genre, and that's why I'm thanking you because most people wouldn't understand in those, you know.
0: All right, man. And, well, I and,
1: and, and honestly, my channel is not as big as it appeared. I had some success early on with three D printing, and I had some viral. You see, it's not really. That's why numbers really don't mean much. Uh huh. And and you're. I mean, you're doing. I think a lot of people look at your channel and think you're doing great, and like may, maybe they maybe it's like you don't they don't think you need the help, you know? Uh, maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but yeah. In, in any in any event, I appreciate it. And again, I wish more people. Um, I wish we could do more of this blending, and I I really appreciate it. That's why I have a different perspective of Lou, because he he obviously didn't have to say yes to come. Let me talk with him twice, you know. And uh, so, I, you know, that gave me the courage to just reach out to you and other people, you know. So, I think it's awesome.
0: Thank you. And if I just have one more, well, this is something similar to promote, which is what we talked about before that contest. I'm not sure what I'm calling it a physics and consciousness contest. I'll come up with the name in a couple of days. If you want to learn some subject, like I mentioned, Ashtakar variables, you're probably like, what the heck is that? Or loop quantum gravity. Well, the, variables you should know for loop quantum gravity, or you want to learn loop quantum cosmology, or Yosha Bach's idea of computation and consciousness, or what Noam Chomsky has to say about meaning. Let's, if you want to learn something, you can also create a video on that subject, creating and teaching something to others is one of the easiest, quickest, and most efficient ways of learning a concept as well as you don't need to be the expert. So there are two classes of videos, one where you know far more and then you're just distilling it down, but another where you know almost nothing and you're going through the process and you're saying, well, here is what I, I've learned this, but I'm still unsure about so-and-so. Here are the open questions I have. This is as far as I know, this is what I thought, but then I read this and so on. So you take people through the learning process. That's another type of video that's extremely, it's endearing, it's relatable. And so if you have some idea for something physics related or consciousness related, then feel free. Go ahead and make a video and submit to this contest.
1: The, the only request I have is that sometime if you could do a video for people like me who are wanting to learn more, it would be like a basic and it would be based on that level of you know, intelligence, <laughs> a basic reading list or any kind of resources that would be for people who are working in industry or, or any other field like I am, but who want to learn more, where can they start, you know, or what, or what can they study? Like, you know, I'll go watch, I guess you've seen MIT's open courseware. I go there. <clears throat> That's a resource, just a simple free lectures from MIT. It's very interesting, but I think it would be cool to have something from you as like a, like an outline of, you know, yeah. for, the, for yeah. people who are, not for people who don't have physics degrees and, you
0: know, yeah. So I do have a the video that I spent the most on on the Theories of Everything channel is called the Crash Course on Theoretical Physics. It's aimed at a first year level. So, I saw that,
1: but that's that's still above the level I'm talking about. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> well. I, yeah, maybe you know, maybe it's not practical, you know. Yeah. But
0: also, I would say, Tony, you you know far more than perhaps then you give yourself credit for it. you know about time dilation you know about that it's related to going toward the speed of light you know that there seems to be an inconsistency here you know that well if i was to travel back in time the earth has moved so how am i traveling you have you have quite a wealth of knowledge already and you you're not formally trained in math or physics so don't underestimate your own intelligence man
1: i know but i'm you know i've been interested in this stuff my whole life and i've only acquired a certain amount of it And so what I'm trying to get other people to do, even from this one experience, is say, look, you can learn. You know, you can learn. You can just make an effort. You can grasp those little concepts as you go along. It's like you were saying earlier, it builds. It builds on, you know, you know, eventually you'll learn the periodic table if you just keep at it. You know, I was inspired by my son. He learned the periodic table when he was like five years old, you know, for a for a class in elementary school. That was awesome. He inspired me. <laughs> A five-year-old. <laughs> so
0: well, that's wonderful, but, man.
1: But thank you. Thank you, Kurt. I appreciate your time and uh it's been awesome. And um I appreciate, really appreciate yours. That. Thank you
0: so much. Take care, man. Thank you. The podcast is now finished. If you'd like to support conversations like this, then do consider going to patreon.com/slash C U R T. J-A-I-M-U-N-G-A-L. That is Kurt Jaimungal. It's support from the patrons and from the sponsors that allow me to do this full-time. Every dollar helps tremendously. Thank you.